0: Black plastic mutiny radio. Dot FM is what you listen to. Black History Month going on. Sean from Bug House did a good one. Check it out. Bug House Square Tuesday.
1: Seventeen.
2: This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forests to the Gulf Stream waters, oh yes, this land belongs to you. And me. As I went roaming that ribbon of a highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. Yes, this land belongs to you and me. This land is your land. This land is my land. The redwood forests to the Gulf Stream waters. Oh, this land belongs to you and me. I roamed and rambled, I followed my footsteps across the golden sands of your diamond deserts, and all around me, a voice kept saying, "Oh, this land belongs to you." This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the redwood forests to the Gulf Stream waters, oh lordy, this land belongs to you.
0: When we happen to be just sitting there quietly you know, watching TV, times when, when the we program we're be watching be will stop just for a while, and suddenly someone TV appears with a smile, the program and starts will to will show us how terribly urgent it is to, to buy some brand of detergent. And starts to the show us cleanser, cleanser, a cleanser, a bleach to help She's with the housework. Now, most of the time, it's a lady we see who's doing the housework on TV to help cheerfully scouring. Now, most of the time, it's a lady we see who's doing the housework on TV. She's cheerfully scouring a skillet or two, or she's polishing pots till they gleam like new or she's or polish she's polishing polish pots till they gleam like new or she's washing the or she's the windows, the, the, dishes the dishes, to close, or waxing the furniture till it just glows, or cleaning the fridge or the stove or the sink with a light-hearted smile and a friendly wink, and she's doing her best to make us stay Or and do doing her best, or cleaning powder or paste or wax is the best kind of soap to your cleaner powder wax or bleach is the best kind of soap in the cleaner powder your bleach that there is in the baby just what they say baby but I'll tell you one thing I know is true the lady we see when we're watching TV the lady who smiles as she scours or scrubs or rubs or washes or wipes or mops or dusts or cleans or whatever she does on our TV screens, that lady is smiling because she's an actress and she's earning money she does what they say. Well, for learning those speeches that mention those wonderful soaps and detergents and cleansers and cleaners and powders and pastes and waxes and bleaches. The very next time you happen to be just sitting there quietly watching TV and you see some nice lady who smiles. As she or scrubs or rubs or washes or wipes or mops or desks, please, remember, nobody smiles doing housework but those ladies you see on TV. Your mommy hates housework, your dad hates housework, I hate housework too, and when you grow up, so will you. Because even if the soap or detergent you know, or a cream or powder paste or wax or bleach that you use is the very best one, housework is just no fun. Children, when you have a house of your own, make sure make sure when there's sure housework, when there's to, do, housework to, to do that you don't that you have, don't to, do have do to do it alone. Little boy little girl when you're when big, your big husbands, husbands and wife if you want if you all want the all days of the your life to seem sunny, to seem as, sunny summer weather, as summer weather make sure make when there's sure housework to do housework that you do it together
3: you do it together,
0: together. <laughs> the pie, she made a pie, and Christopher John helped bake it.
4: And the earth was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The spirit moved across the water, and there was light. It was good. It was good. The was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep, and the spirit moved across the water, and there was light. It was good. Are not princes, kings, ancient and honorable, neither sword nor spear, dispersed into the four corners of the earth, for the sickles, for the mattocks, for the forks, for the axes? The earth was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The spirit moved across the water, and there was light. It was good. And the earth was formless, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. The spirit moved across the water, and there was light. It was good. Princes, kings, ancient and honorable, neither sword nor spear disperses the four corners of the earth. For the sickles, for the mattocks, for the forces.
5: My hometown, everybody wanted to help the war effort. They didn't throw their money away on foolish things like food, rent, and clothing. Everybody in my home bought something worthwhile, something you could get a hold of and call your own. Everybody in my home bought a jackass. Everybody, even the little bitty kids. They had an ass of their own. Preacher's wife had the biggest ass in town. I know, because I rode her big ass all the time. Biggest ass ever been on. You can see the muscles in her big ass. Sometimes my ass would sweat, and I'd slip right off her big sweaty ass. I didn't have no saddle, her ass cost too much. Just like I told you, she had a husband who was a preacher. He didn't have such a bad ass himself. I rode his little narrow ass once. Boniest ass ever tried to ride. You can't ride them bony asses, you got to have some meat on your ass you get ready to ride. Get your big fat ass in high old silver. Every Sunday the preacher came to church on his ass Congregation came to church on their ass. I hadn't been in town long. I was on my ass. <laughs> one Sunday the preacher put his ass outside the window. came inside and started preaching. And one of the sisters in the back row was smoking weed. I was reading the gospel. And something <laughs> caught fire. Something caught fire in the back pew. And she jumped them out and Help! Save us! Everybody ran outside, snatched the ass, and rolled off. But the Reverend, he didn't leave. He stayed in his collection. Got kind of hot inside. They think his ass might get scorched outside. So he took a long running jump and jumped out the window to land on his ass. But someone that stole old Reverend's ass and wasn't there. The Reverend fell down in a deep hole in the ground. That's where they found him. Just go to show you, don't it? Some folks don't know their ass from a hole in the ground. Thank you Grandma. Thank you. Thank you. I wanna thank you if there's any prude here in the audience that found reason to dislike me and I only meant to bring some happiness your way, the only way I know how, if you're gonna go somewhere and tell somebody you thought I was blue, up your bucket. <laughs> and I want you to know that I'll get a
6: Oh, she so oh, I like to pee.
7: Distinguished guests, welcome to LWAFL Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with our stinky guests, our hosts, Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Merry Christmas, Carl.
6: Merry Christmas, Mike. It's Merry Christmas, Christmas Carl. Why are we saying Merry Christmas?
7: I know it's February 27th, but Merry <laughs> okay. Christmas. Okay.
6: Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Well, welcome, stinky guests, uh, LWAFL MOIT. Thank that, you, Mike, for having me once again.
7: Carl, you did the theme song. You have an interview coming up. You researched this movie. Thank Mm -hmm. you for inviting me onto the show. (laughs) (laughs) We do this show every Sunday at 2 p.m. here on MutinyRadio.fm. We're streaming right now on MutinyRadio.fm as we do every Sunday 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and then specifically uh, 5 o'clock on the East Coast Time. You could also... Don't have to stream us live. Uh, you can listen to our podcast drops every Sunday night. Uh, follow us by our acronym, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Y-T stands for YouTube. Uh, we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie this week?
6: Okay, this week we are watching The Funny Farm, 1983. That's what you put in the search engine, The Funny Farm. Don't put in Funny Farm, No the Funny Farm. Put in 18, 1983. We like the channel Crud Buddy,
7: right? Because we are Crud Buddies ourselves.
6: Yeah, who wouldn't yeah, like Crud, who buddies? If crud Buddy? Who loves Crud You name the channel that we're subscribing.
7: Uh, you, you ever see uh, um, Black Sheep with Chris Farley and David Spade?
6: Uh, yes, unfortunately, I saw that piece of crud.
7: All right. So remember the scene where uh, this this Opie sprays a fire extinguisher on David Spade, and yeah. He, uh, and uh, Chris Farley says, hey, why don't you jump in the pool and, and wash off all that white mud? And mm-hmm. David, <laughs> David Spade says, oh, I discovered white mud. I'm a millionaire. And <laughs> Farley goes, no, no, I said white crud. White crud. <laughs> all
8: right.
7: I thought I would start off our show with that. I love that scene. Right. So, all right. crud buddies. you uh, so, crud buddy. So, you know, uh, we have a, some instructions for you to do. But we also have a really exciting feature that gives you some time. So we well, gonna... tell
6: them, tell them the instructions. Yeah, wait, right. You oh, got absolutely.
7: Find... Yeah, absolutely. So we want you to go onto YouTube, search for the funny farm 1983. The. the as Carl said, we need to get the duh the in there. You'll find the movie as hosted by Crud Buddies. Click the link, hit pause, move the timer to zero zero zero. Uh and when we say go. Hit the play button. We'll all hit the play button. Now, we are not going to say go. We have a celebrity comedian to do our Celebrity Comedian Mm -hmm. Countdown. Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen,
6: welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Donna Lloyd. Welcome, Donna.
9: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
6: You started at Scotty's. You took the comedy class there with Chip Ambrosio. You have blossomed... To go on to so much more and become a real comedian. But why don't you just tell us about your launch a little bit?
1: Okay, well, I started at uh, Scotty's Comedy Cove School with Chip Ambrogio in June of or uh, April of 2017. 2017. And you go for six 2017, yeah. They go uh, for, I think, six weeks. And at the end of six weeks, you do your, your show for your friends and family that come to see you. And it was a great launching pad. Um, I got a lot of work right away out of the gate from Scotty's. Mm -hmm. I got to network with uh, some higher level comics.
6: How much in your original routine for that showcase remains today?
1: Um, I'd say a good portion of it, Uh and I just keep—I'd say a good portion of it. um, A lot of it's changed, obviously, and a lot of it I've, you know, swapped out for other things. But I just keep that particular act, and then I'll just layer in and layer in, and then kind of be able to pick and choose when I go to a venue if I want to do this segment or that segment, or use those, or just pull them out of the hat as I need them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd say maybe I'd say maybe sixty percent.
6: Wow. Okay, that's uh, still a pretty healthy chunk, right? I think you got a yeah, good I launch my there. Stuff. <laughs> I like telling my own jokes. <laughs> everybody does, right? I laugh at my own jokes. Yeah. So, um, you are I you're down South Jersey, is that fair to say? Do you think of it as South Jersey? Central Jersey? Central, Central Jersey. you call it Central. But Central even though you're Jersey far away shore, Central Jersey. Jersey shore, that is where so even though you're far from us up here in the north, you still come up here you know i mean you go further than scotty's right if you've got a gig
1: oh yeah sure i've been in brooklyn and pa new york atlantic city wherever wherever the goods are that's where you gotta go yeah i was gonna mention brooklyn you did the rooftop
6: shows there during the pandemic right
1: they were outside at labray gardens and then we moved indoors with the brooklyn house of comedy mm-hmm. yeah did a lot of outdoor shows during the pandemic i was lucky like that restaurants outdoor
6: venues now i was going to ask how the pandemic affected your comedy you just went over like being outside which was different which was okay in the summer right how else have you been affected you know as a comedian getting out there and doing your thing with this with this covid with this coronavirus crap yeah coronavirus is
1: terrible um well i I, you know, I think like anybody else, I just have the ebbs and flows of the moods that any comedian probably suffers from. Um, I try to uh, keep a balance and keep things in perspective, you know. Comedy is something that brings joy to people. It brings joy to me. Um, obviously, like I had six shows booked this month, and I've already lost four of them. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're experiencing and everyone is experiencing that on different yeah. levels um but you just have to keep it in perspective you know when it get when it's good it'll be going again and when it isn't you just have to do other things like zoom get creative i've done a few zoom shows i was was just gonna go there every week yeah
6: yeah i was just gonna go there and ask you about what do you think of zoom i mean it's better than nothing but it's not the same right
1: it's not the same. It's almost like performing in front of a mirror when you're practicing. <laughs> if you, anyone does that, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but And so it's a little strange because you're not getting the reactions that you would and that rapport with the audience. But yeah. it, you know, if you're getting paid to do 10 minutes and sit in your living room or bedroom, it's not so bad. Yeah. And it is yeah. a cool way to communicate. I'm, I do a weekly podcast every week with a bunch of comics that are all over Chicago and uh, New York and PA. And it's kind of cool that we meet once a week and get our yaya's out.
6: What's it called? What's that
1: podcast called? It's called Logic and Laughs. Uh-huh. I'm headed by Tori Tory Seward. I think I, I connected you with him on some level. He's looking to come down and we'll do some stuff at Scotty's. But they're all comics, and they're young, and I'm probably the oldest one there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there's some generational and cultural things that – I don't get, or that they don't get, which is kind of cool, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It keeps, keeps me going anyway.
6: What do you bring to the podcast, the logic or the laughter?
1: <laughs> Hopefully a little of both. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hopefully a little of both, yeah. Well, that sounds logical. So, <laughs> how do people find you out there
6: on the internet, on social media? I think you've got a YouTube channel.
1: YouTube channel, Donald Lloyd Comedy. On the social media. I'm not on Instagram. Um, I am on TikTok. I think it's called Aunt Donna Knows, although I don't manage those things. Uh-huh. I'm not too tech savvy, so I have people that do those things for me. What about Facebook, though? Yes, I have that. Donna, Just Lloyd, Donna comedy. Lloyd. You'll see it. Donna Lloyd comedy. You'll see a picture of George Burns and Jack Benny, my favorite comedians of all That's time.
6: Right. Yes, you do see that. Yeah. Favorite comedians of all time. That's really that's that's uh, though it's pretty good company there. So, okay, Donna. Everybody at home is poised to watch this movie at the exact same second as we do here in the studio. We're all going to press play together. So why don't you go ahead, Donna Lloyd, and give us that celebrity comedian countdown?
1: Okay, thank you. We're going to go with three, two.
7: One Best. Oh, I'm really excited about this movie. You know, yeah. I heard about this movie because Peter, uh, Acroyd is in this. Dan Acroyd's brother, who was right. a part of, uh, I guess, the fourth season of SNL, and then yeah. he wrote uh theme songs, songs for his for Acroyd's movies.
6: Right, and he was in some of Acroyd's movies.
7: Uh, you know. I, but you make money off the songs, right? If you write the song to Loose Cannons, every time that plays, they get a little royalty check. Yeah,
6: exactly. Yeah. It can be very tiny, but if you're talking about millions, it adds up. You know, he was in the Coneheads. He was in Dr. Detroit. Um,
7: yeah, so that's do-
6: really – really, you know, they weren't they were they – um, uh, they, they were good br- buddy brothers, friends, right. and – They co-wrote screenplays together. Um, Let's see. um, Nothing but trouble in the early 90s. Peter wrote the story. Dan wrote the screenplay. Um, Co-created the Canadian sci-fi show Sci-Factor.
7: Which makes sense because Dan Aykroyd is also into like UFOs and psycho bullshit. So they must have had a charming childhood. Where they they uh, did
6: uh, eighty-eight episodes of that, and yeah, probably in their childhood. Like Dan's going, look at that, Look what! Look up at the sky! Look at that! He goes, "Holy crap, it's beautiful." Yeah. There must have been a bunch.
7: They of them. must have been. You know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, "Hey, you know it'd be great." And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> it, but also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November last year. He even yeah. got a um, like a, a memorial oh, on you. SNL. Really.
6: He had an untreated hernia, untreated, and he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks, uh, septicemia, caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia. So I think he probably shouldn't have died. He, uh, he probably, you know, was sort of like a mistake.
7: It's a real shame. Uh, I, I kind of – I knew of him through the through different things, but I have always heard about this movie, The Funny Farm. I had no idea what it was about. I just yeah. knew that Peter Ackroyd was in it. Uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise Streaming, and I said, shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless, it does. And the movie about stand-up comedy.
6: Yes, that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Kamplin. And Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not listening. going
7: to New York City? Right.
6: He's going Mar- to L.A.
7: So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York? <laughs> no. Okay. You few. think
6: that would be the destination for co- – okay, this is our director.
7: Oh, pumping gas in the HBO vanity play? You wish this movie was on HBO.
6: This is Ron Clark and he is our director and he's making his cameo. Nice. And he's yeah. like, "Where are you going? LA, to be a star like Robin Williams." And he goes, "Who?"
7: How many times will Robin Williams' name uh, will be name-checked in this? Few times. Early, a few times. Okay.
6: Two times.
7: Yeah. Two times. Ooh, a little cassette. Is this like a uh, will power?
6: It's like I, he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. he's he's listening uh, you know, this was the time before you could catch any comedian ever. So right. he has the albums. You
7: know. And hopefully, they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw.
6: Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on
7: the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country.
6: Interesting question. Did they... they?
7: They have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. In the
6: now here he has arrived in Los Angeles but in truth he's in Montreal Canada
7: Thank you Carl for telling me that up front so I don't have to because we're both Los Angeles natives and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize oh the comedy tree so he he wanted to go to the comedy tree and it's literally closed
6: it was burnt down it ha- a fire has occurred and there is noticia no nos entrada because it's burnt
7: so do you think the comic on stage was like the roof the roof the the roof is on
3: on fire
7: and we're like hack shut up hack (laughs) no but i'm being serious the roof the roof the roof is on fire we heard it so
6: we don't give a damn
7: ooh juggling
6: yeah, so he finds that the, the club, the tr- comedy tree, it's, it's gone, and so he's sort of wandering around, and he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life, and Greg will let him know about a comedy club called The Funny Farm. That's no. where it's all happening now.
7: We, now even though we are los angeles natives and comedians we're not going to pretend we know the history of los angeles comedy which i'm sure this movie is mirroring and mirroring in, in close to near time this is 83 this isn't uh-huh. like dying to get re- oh, what was that That showtime jim far uh Curry tv show i'm dying up here which was a a two-season show about the comedy store
6: oh okay oh so, gosh I, I i missed that one i, I did see crashing on hbo
7: uh, but that's a New York comedy scene, right? It's And, this, and it's not reprising the late 70s, early no, 80s.
6: No, you're right. You're right. It's a better analogy, the Jim Carrey one. And the thing is, like, okay, it's a movie, so I forgive it. But it's like, he's bumping into exactly the right person who is friendly and helpful.
7: Yeah. Well, but, okay. The, uh, I believe a comedian coming into Los Angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them, a street performer to find out where another oh, set is.
6: Harass is not the right word. It's all very nice and friendly.
7: Oh, hey, there's the wall. Where's my picture, Carl?
6: Yeah, you're not. It's it's prior to your arrival. Now, this was a comedian. Uh, her name is Maj- Majori Gross? Ma- oh, Majori Marjorie. Gross. Marjorie Gross okay and she really went on to be a writer she wrote for all including seinfeld she wrote for a lot of things
7: wait a minute but i know who that's... you talking. she passed away they, they credit as yeah, yeah she like...
6: really got ripped off she died of ovarian cancer at the age of 40.
7: wow
6: yeah she's really died young and um let's see here she wrote one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes.
7: Oh, how fun! I love that show.
6: Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here The Larry Sanders Show, and Newhart, and Alf. And She was a writer, she started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail, and I guess you're gonna want to say she's like the comedy store lady
7: Mitzi Shore, and that's probably her husband, no, or so somebody. It-
6: Okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the guy, person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long. like.
7: <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs>
6: now, listen, didn't Mitzi Shore have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics?
7: Uh, according to whom? The comics from the early '80s. Well, I mean, I'm
6: just saying, in this movie, that's one of the main things about Gail. She's scared of earthquakes, and she sleeps with the comedian.
7: Okay, so just just for being alive on planet Earth, here's what I know about Missy Shore. Missy Shore opened up the seminal uh, comedy store and redefined comedy, and pretty much everybody in there became superstars. Yeah, uh, came out of comedy, and then she was, you know, she was a club owner. So she well. She owned it with her husband, who was a long-standing comedian, like Paul mm-hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yep. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I
6: forget his name, but he was a he was a big-time comedian who was always at the B level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah,
7: I think and he opened for his a son. a
6: comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it. All so, the
7: way. so, so there's this I guess the story story is that he owned it, but Mitzi was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Paulie Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, "Here's your next comic. Here's a picture on the wall." Uh, Ron. Oh, is Clark. this this yeah. this is is this Peter? That's
6: Peter. Peter.
7: What's what's his act?
6: Um, he he's funny. Let me remember what he's. Oh, oh uh, he's kind of um. He okay.
7: See, so, I gotta say this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or, or Mark. Yeah. To literally drives up to L.A. and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately eyes away from him oh look you're not gonna fuck me i'm out of here
6: yeah exactly so he it's basically establishing this is where it's at this is our pl- okay here's howie mandel and i was a fan back in the day
7: me too i had his album Fits like a glove
6: yeah me
7: too yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was <laughs> a really prop funny. comic album
6: yeah, he's a prop comic and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh, uh, movie. And the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic, it is like in front of real people, but it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. And, all the comedians know each other like half the audience is comedians now it was weird when gail said give her the light to um to marjorie yeah they flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering a light
7: i've been to clubs like that there's some oh, clubs yeah. that. well there was a club called doc's lab in san francisco and unfortunately it closed but they built it from the ground up and uh-huh. one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it and yeah. it was very clear and if you're in the audience you could pick up what it is so this, uh, is, not An- this is not los Angeles. this is not los angeles it's not hollywood or sunset it, or uh melrose right. in
6: the movie it's los angeles and it's the funny farm the you know the happening club in reality yeah this is montreal Quebec, wow. canada which
7: so. is crazy well a lot of I guess Peter Ackroyd was Canadian.
6: And so uh, is Howie Mandel. And Howie Mandel. Uh, Marjorie. Th- these are com- uh, these are Canadian comedians.
7: Okay, look, I got to go uh, uh, network, Carl. I'll be right back. Hey, great okay. set, buddy. You were great. great hey, set. can I get a smoke? Hey, you guys smoking pot? You guys smoking pot? Can I join? This,
6: this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling jokes. <laughs>
7: oh, yeah, as one does.
6: <laughs> right. He's got a special tonight, one joint. One joint, and they'll give
7: you. A, they'll give you a joke. Yeah, that's a that's a good deal, because I would milk that Sammy, joke to death.
6: In the plot, Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian uh, Philly Beekman, and they'll go visit Philly. And the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types the Vegas comedians, the young
7: comedians, right? Isn't that the (laughs) HBO term?
6: Yeah. young comedian
7: special. Oh, is he? So I know this guy, this is the pinky in the brain guy.
6: Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions and that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah, And he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like, we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know?
7: I know, um, Carl. Don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act, are like, Hey, what's up with the world today? And they're all like <laughs> I, gotta, I haven't got to the tag yet.
6: So his name is Maurice Lamarche and yes. he was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain. And he was the brain.
7: Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even, I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen.
6: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You recognized his face.
7: Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's, well, I could I recognize Tara uh, Strong. I recognized mm-hmm. Frank Walker. Mm-hmm. Oh, Drunky pissed in his pants. Yep.
6: And he goes, well, now that's funny. uh uh-huh. So he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mr. Freeze from Batman. He was wow. in Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes. a, a more modern one.
7: Yeah, when, no, he's the my, king of it.
6: When my kids were young, they used to watch the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy. And it turns out he was in that too. So his name's huh. Dickie in the movie.
7: All right. So fair enough. There's there's his impersonation, uh 80 stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions mm-hmm. and billions
6: yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing. Uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary.
7: Can I? Can I do my Ronald Reagan? Yes, go ahead. All right, Ronald Reagan. Where's your? Uh, where do you get your drinking water? Well.
6: Ah, <laughs> very funny. Damn that! Nah, p- p- well, nice
7: slam. Well.
6: Now, sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like, uh, for instance, Mark capital in our film his real name is miles Chapin. so why not oh. just make a miles Chapin in the film
7: you know what it's a fictitious film and they decide to kind of divvy up i'm trying to think if i've seen like there's a lot of comedy how many comedy movies have you appeared in where someone shows up with a camera making a either a documentary or like a uh, an expose i was
6: about to say zero but i guess one At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. I'll Uh, probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know.
7: Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one, I was at a uh, comedy competition, which I don't even, it's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was like unannounced recording it so i'm listening on imdb for his little magic special documentary uh, i was on public radio a documentary on comedy and i told one new joke that i didn't like and that was the joke they kept because oh, it brought it, Thanks, and then Bobby. uh uh what else oh gosh oh and then a friend did a like an expose like a fictitious thing at a comedy club which we taped i'm in a couple of those i'm actually in A documentary called the comedy club about cobb's comedy club i think it's where tom sawyer's wife yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used which i knew at the day of Uh, but who knows uh i heard it was an unwatchable documentary but it's finally released and they're using it as a benefit uh recently for will durst uh which is terrific he's a great comic and anything to help him out at this time is terrific so i like the documentary now did trying you to get, get an
6: IMD credit, IMDB credit? No,
7: I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had. And uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, mm-hmm. you know, I had to be approved and I kept declining it.
6: But we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray and it was a big thing. And Gail said, you're a twerp. And you know, it was like a negative, but the Uh, opposite out of it is he's now meeting his love interest and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after.
7: So this is a waitress at a comedy club. He's dating the waitress immediately.
6: Yes. Immediately. And she is an actress. Now, you know once again like i forgive it because it's a movie and they gotta move it along
7: right um, and, com- and comics and waitresses do date
6: i suppose wait staff, yes. i should
7: say wait staff and com- comedians
6: so now he's like not being funny but we're supposed to think it's funny like he pulled out a uh polaroid right it was really a napkin he, he pulled it out of the you know, and he's saying, shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning, something like that.
7: Uh, yeah, try too hard, man. But no, also, you know, don't, don't...
6: She's, um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame, wow. really. This is something she just did.
7: Yeah. Well that's good. I mean if she could deal with soap operas, she could deal with comedians. Look at their oh, all yes, assholes. Yes. Is this supposed to be canters?
6: This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impressions. He's doing it right.
7: I could tell by the eye.
6: So that's the thing, like uh it's just not true that off stage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, Don't try the toast salad Oh <laughs> yes. <laughs> it
7: so, is. His his hair.
6: me, but it's okay. It's a movie.
7: Yeah, but you know what? Usually, comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the the popular ones. Like if you know, you first you go know, to the scene and there's say, a table.
6: I gotta say that like comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and uh, they're all ranted, different. Ranted. If you listen to Comedian Countdown, I mean, I, I I hit fifty comedians last year for you guys. Now look, like. People say, you got to be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy. Okay, it's true. A lot of them are like that. A lot of them are antisocial and stuff. But it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many.
7: No, that's true. But, I I mean, I've seen, like, just claim, you know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So, when you perform, you're you're basically exposing yourself. And Uh some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business, you don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody, uh, because you, it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes.
4: There's like no (laughs) excuse.
7: Like, if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad-mouthing people, it's just, like, maybe it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah.
6: This is his uh, house. This is where he lives at Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <sighs> with her and become Ooh. in a
7: relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing.
6: Yeah, they. Yeah, he's this whole movie. He moves fast. He goes through everything so fast.
7: So it, this is like January first. This is like a a a year of this guy's life.
6: Well, it's he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls.
7: Yeah, and now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this—the open mic. Like, oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. So-
6: What happens here is you and I know um, that comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like we're looking for new talent. No, rather on a weird night, like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy. It's, I'll use the word, though. It's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a on a weird night. You know? Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get... I mean, I did that at Scotty's, and I got a job there as like a maitre d' kind of thing, and that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't a audition, you know? It was just... Well, you know,
8: that's
7: what they're doing here.
6: People are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy.
7: But I do know, like, you know, if they're doing three different shows or like if it's Los Angeles, if it's Los Angeles, they might have a 630 show and eight o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m. show. All right, let me talk
6: about that then, right? What really happens in the comedy world, and I think you'll back me up on this, is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. That's really the formula, uh, whatever club you go to. This this club on their Saturday nights, like they have 20 comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time. They just go until Gail says, that's it, give them the light.
7: That's ridiculous. Oh, are these examples of the open micers, the, the youth two, the, the housewife and then the kid?
6: Yes. And they're Is not it? open micers, They're going. They're. They think they're at an audition. They're on a. They're going to audition night.
7: But I know that you know some some clubs here in Los Angeles. They do have technically an audition night. I mean, it's a showcase. Uh-huh. But basically, you know, you meet the people and they say, okay, come perform on on Tuesday at six thirty. No, but you know they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday. So. So maybe uh, it
6: is there. Maybe there is some reality to
7: that. yeah. All I feel night. Hey, it's all groomens or mans. The mans or grooms Chinese theater.
6: Uh, I don't know. Even though I live, okay. Here we have Steve Allen.
7: Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Uh, Probably. He-
6: Now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did this director – listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve comedy – Steve Allen Comedy Hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that.
7: Oh, so he got his buddy in there.
6: Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a minute. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know, but the Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in nineteen seventy seven, Silent Movie in seventy six.
7: It's good. Three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot.
6: Yes, that's one with a. That's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit. Let's make some money movie.
7: <laughs> like the Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah.
6: Now, here, he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for President, Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the 60s. Danny Kay TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason. Uh, So this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn show, Rich Little Show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me. Uh, Oh, wow. he's He's all over the place as a writer.
7: Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then.
6: Uh, let's see. I think it was the year. Okay,
7: uh, like eighty-six, maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's go-
6: Yeah.
7: Oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set. Good set. Don't choke. So he's I can't gonna go believe up,
6: and fu- he's only gonna do like three minutes. And Is he gonna, Gale's chew gonna it? say, "Gail's." Did you see? He he had this traditional. Um, A player. As- that, yeah. <laughs> oh. <So, laughs> So he, it wasn't his smartphone.
7: So Wait, Did he just he, get he, heckled by a comic?
6: Yeah. Yeah, he got heckled by a comic. All right. He's going to do essentially three minutes, and he's going to have one giggle at the end. But Gail's going to say, that was good. That was really good. You can work here. Parking cars.
7: Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching The Door.
6: He's going to be a valet.
7: Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my if he's eating it. He's probably doing my act. Hey guys, have you ever tried? I'm sorry, I got here so late. I feel really sick. I uh, had the green bread. You Guys, know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? I mean, it was fine when I moved in.
6: The green bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetable.
7: Yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant based.
6: It was a growth.
7: So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now.
6: Well, he's not really eating it. He's just, they, they like him. They like him.
7: You no, know, the comics are, yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. <clears throat> there. I said my piece, Carl.
6: Sorry, I just got myself a s- seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles?
7: Are oh, you killing me. Oh, uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Yeah.
6: Not, not a comedian. Oh,
7: okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah, when you heckle a comedian, you're you're not a comedian in my eyes.
6: So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh,
7: he left his he left his thing on stage.
6: <laughs> oh, did he?
7: Yeah, he left his. The the comic the host called him out. He said you left your uh, tape recorder.
6: Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times.
7: You didn't have that sinking feeling? I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone? Shit.
0: Shit. Shit.
7: I really wanted to listen to that set I ate anyway. Thank you.
6: Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it.
7: Oh, do you ever, like, pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook?
6: Uh, there's a lost and found at Scotty's and there are some comedians. Uh, okay. Here's the guy who's on cheers trying to strangle Shelly Long. Um, oh,
7: okay. So this is Mr. Shore.
6: He, I guess he's just in this film, he's not related to her. He's just the owner and he's up there and he's like doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you, uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's an, there's, please, an important announcement, important announcement. He goes, oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement. And he goes, get off the stage. Hey, that's not funny.
7: These if, are the comics pissing on the owner? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that kind of, I don't They
6: piss on Gail and they piss on the owner.
7: yeah no, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. all right i'm gonna open with the green i'm not opening with the green bread spiegelman you got to rewrite the list i'll close with green bread
6: like do you care when you go up okay you're first
7: (laughs) no of course not i'm a you're first meeting oh i don't i didn't really want to go you're not really first you're you're second you're not really going first carl you're second you see because i'm the
6: host and i'll do a few minutes
7: yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third perf- right. the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian, and then the fifth comedian will be me again, and then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Don't you
6: hate when when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I
0: hate that.
7: Yeah, I do, and I, I'm looking at you. <laughs> I hope every comic went cold when I said that. oh is that her casting couch there you go
6: yes this is her casting couch but that's not what she's gonna do she's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant
7: no i I did see this but i i'm just gonna say this once carl and uh pretend i never saw it ella burson is really acting in this movie this is a terrific performance she's a real lived-in human being uh, and you can see her as the brains of, and, and the disrespect she gets and yeah. how it feels on her, and it's like a real lived-in performance. I was just stunned by it. So, anyway, just getting back, we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our, our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes.
6: Now, I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm, apparently, and he's really good. And everyone, uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called,
7: he has bongos, Carl, his name, Andy Kaufman. (laughs) Yeah.
6: Well, he is a crazy person and we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald. And he did have a career in real life. He was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him, but um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos.
7: Yeah, he, and he's taking pictures and he's I think creepy with women.
6: You, anytime there's a something sexual, you have to make it creepy. You well, know,
7: is he on stage? Is he I in know, control?
6: Mike, are you a born again Christian? And yes, Seth I am. Is creepy. Look, did, this, did these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him,
7: right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off?
6: What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy?
7: Because uh, he's taking fun. All right, I get it. It's funny. All right. Forget it. I saw Howard Stern live like 40 years ago. Who am I to Mark, say?
6: There are advances. There are advances. Oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh, my God. Like, what? you want to fuck children, Mike? He whiz.
7: Wait, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not.
6: No, but we saw Bugsy Malone, and you were like, this is sick. What's sick! It's
7: cute. It's a little inappropriate.
6: It is not inappropriate.
7: Bugsy Willow is a little inappropriate.
6: It uh, because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something. She was. Hey, protest- when was
7: the last time you you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office?
6: <laughs> well, it's 1983.
7: All right. Well, yeah, you're right because this is the powerhouse. Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs>
6: Now, this is – that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club, and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter Ackroyd.
7: This is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that.
6: Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did that. That was part oh, interesting. Of Steve Martin's first. When Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to. He, he would uh, take the people outside. Now he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money. You know. Right. But this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it, show's over. And everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over. I'm going outside now. And everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some, like, abandoned pool, and he walked down into it, and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, He would take everyone out into the street, and then he would leave.
7: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I always thought, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I, tried I to
6: find like a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could.
7: Oh, man. That would be so much fun to watch old, old Steve Martin videos.
6: Yeah. Cause the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums. You know, we see his polished, uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing.
7: Right. Yeah. That's true. I mean you have the comedy albums which he performed uh in san francisco for the first album
6: yeah mm-hmm. and then
7: on red rocks right it Was side b was it
6: no i don't remember i remember excuse me that was all in san francisco
7: right it was like the works god it was uh, like the fisherman's War, not the fisherman's wharf but it was like some weird uh name yeah he's the one i remember my first beer that was san francisco
6: yeah that's right yeah there, steve martin had a heckler in the audience and he didn't pay him any mind. He just said, "Yeah,
7: I remember my first beer." Which is like he nailed that one. Like, yeah, you can't use that line.
6: Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he he. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, like, um, I I thought to myself, "Okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that." But I never had the chance. There's a joke in this one. When it feels so bad, Howie Mandel goes like. Um, I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke.
7: What's the way? Explain the joke.
6: I would say like, oh, man, I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching planes. I mean, they go like 400 miles per hour.
7: Yeah, but when you say catch, then we know what the joke is.
6: No, we'll catch a plane, you know. Catch, it's, yeah. It's yeah, a right. good redirect
7: it's gonna be Well, because it's the phrase that's what's funny there
6: so he's woken his girlfriend up at three in the morning and he's like i have a persona now i am a wasp nobody else is the comedian you've got the lesbian so, comedian the hispanic comedian you've got the you know but nobody's a wasp comedian
7: if i may so so comedians have to pander to white audiences so they won't so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace so it's like, oh, I see uh, I'm or whatever they say in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, he watches that. And he goes, shit, I'll just say I'm white. I'll do the same ethnic humor, but I'll say I'm white. Uh-huh. Well, and you then-
6: know, you're right about that. And I really didn't appreciate it in this mil- film. The the guy, his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou, Lou Dino as Miguel, he was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did... Uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate.
7: Yeah, uh, the he, fry cook.
6: Right. And he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, can y'all see me or should I smile? I uh-huh. just, it's just so like, pan. Um, what's the word? It's like.
7: Uh, it's a bunch of things. It's, it is pandering. Uh, it is,
6: it's, uh, it's, it's kind of ring to like the worst enough, yeah. you know, it's you're black. So you got to make it about being black, but he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke. Like, I don't know. I didn't, oh my God.
7: These comedians have day jobs. How strange. Yeah. Now this yeah. is
6: the pinky in the brain and it's his day job and they showed up to fuck with him.
7: Oh, and Howie Mandel has his handbag. Yeah, his handbag. Yeah, I, I, I getting back to like the it is kind of pandering and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know, and and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian or a little warrior, you're going to have to play that way to, to, to connect to any crowd, you know, but
6: I guess yes,
7: but also like there's other clubs, you know, like if I panter as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like am I going to do the same bits? Probably to no. Jewish stuff. Right. So it seems weird that this guy is like, he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way Oh, Fern bar, how fucking Los Angeles in the 80s. So, yeah,
6: and he's complaining about LA right now.
7: Well, you are you are in a Fern bar. Freaking Perrier.
6: He's just like the perfect girlfriend. It's a movie, you know?
7: Oh, yeah, because I mean... I don't know if waitresses, staff likes getting hit by comedians, and then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they, they date. Sometimes it doesn't last, or sometimes it's really ugly.
6: There was a, a ridiculous thing they said in here, as if like, you know, like band members have roadies. You know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's
8: not. That's true. not true. That's it's not true. Not true. You know, I, said, I know.
6: In fact, it, we're the only. We are the only like on a, like you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all.
7: No, yeah, no, no. There's no group uh, groupies. Nope.
3: Uh,
7: nope. Right, you know no it's weird. Groupies. I one aside I would say is that uh, I, a Los Angeles like porn actors, I guess in the '80s, uh, I learned this from the true Hollywood story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole in, in mm, the *Christmas Story*. Mm-hmm. Scotty Smith, who got into pornography, but they would always go. He met a lot of people at like the comedy store because he's. Uh, they would go be audience members at the comedy clubs.
6: Look at the cops right behind him.
7: Oh, they fucked up. Oh well, no, that- what
6: they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're blaming their hurt and they got hit. And then when it turns out to be cops, they like they bail. They say, oh, I feel better now. And I don't know. It's not fun.
7: Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them and they were going Yeah, and then them.
6: it was a cop. Yeah.
7: But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on.
6: Well, no, they're all not there yet. And G- Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, what about this one? What about that one? All right. Put this one up and then so they that's how they're giving um uh mark champlin a shot
7: ah, the, the yeah. classic that's a classic you know oh shit, there no one's here and that fucking comic Spiegelman's is still at the fucking bar every night right. get him it's
6: on give spiegelman a shot
7: you know the he- last time that happened i could see the club owner uh like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have to ask me like she was trying to look for everyone but me and I was like, well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh-huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was, I didn't really, of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah, it wasn't like I, I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when I was that young. Right. But yeah, it was a little, you know, you got to have a thick skin sometimes.
6: But now they're like, oh, we feel better.
7: Oh, because an ambulance showed up.
6: Yeah, something like that. It's not funny. And it doesn't make sense in the real world. And.
7: Oh, there's old Colorado Avenue in the heart of Santa Monica.
6: Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, they they got signs. They made signs and put them up. Uh, This this big shot, it's your big chance.
7: Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's a set. Like every time you go into a big club, I always like, I would always have my set list like prepared just in case.
6: (laughs) I, uh, me too. I I have a set list in my wallet and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mr. Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. And you, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
7: Listen, you got, listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice LeBrain.
6: Oh, Le, Le I'm sorry. This is, this guy is, is Native American and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. this piece, smoke signals, jokes. Uh, He's saying if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would have still own this country. It's, it's.
8: I, yeah.
7: I
6: feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this.
7: But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can like, if it's a white crowd, that everyone's been pandering, so they can get. If he's on the same white, but they're all, and he does this like he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like, he steals, like, the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind of. They can't be
6: themselves.
7: So, he he says, oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know? And then. uh, It's
6: creative, though.
7: It is. Well, you know, the whole, like, wasp humor in the 80s was Martin Mall. You know, the history of white people and mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, The Jerk. They made a sandwich with mayonnaise.
6: I I'd did I I that whole film. I don't remember. Uh, Didn't
7: like his family made him a sandwich that had like mayonnaise on it. They don't... made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he oh, is.
6: Put on the bo- let's hear him. Let's
7: All right, see. here we go. Studio sound.
8: No,
1: it's
7: not. <laughs> Do you think this is really Miles's act? His real act?
6: No, I don't. What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway &
7: Sons. Oh, the Steinway Pianos?
6: Right, and in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons, and he pretty much hung up acting and comedy, and that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway, and he sells pianos. He, he wrote it. nonfiction books. One of them was called "88 Keys," you know.
7: Oh, great! Oh, is he talking about a laptop?
6: No, he's talking about the piano.
7: <laughs> oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he now, had more this than guy
6: 80. did have a. Two things, three things that were interesting. He was the a character named Carter in Howard the Duck.
7: Okay. Um, Alright.
6: He was in Hair in 1979 as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the So he TV was the singer. Yeah. And he was in The People versus Larry Flint, and he as Miles, that is his real name in '96.
7: So that's the same director, Miles Foreman.
6: No, Miles Champ. No, no, but
7: his... but the, the People versus Larry Flint and Hare is the same director.
6: Oh, no, gotcha, a... gotcha.
7: Yeah, and, uh, a famous director, too. Uh, his I, name
6: I... in Hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of
7: Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from The Fun House. I've, okay. I've seen The Fun House, and I know him from that movie.
6: No, he uh, was Richie in that movie in 81. Have and you I seen that? Mention... No, but I saw – we saw some horror film. We saw some film, maybe it was that um, uh, performance and one of the guys like maybe the camera person was associated with the fun house so I learned yeah. all about it.
7: I saw it on TCM Underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it, what
6: it was. We saw Eggshells.
7: Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby. Ho- well, One of his subsequent films in the early 80s, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him and they go to like a, a county fair, and they have like these, you know, a fun house. Uh, but there's like a, a, like a monster who slaughters them.
6: Right, and yeah, it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's
7: seen, really well done.
6: People people talk about it. So he was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff, but those were the things you'd know.
7: Dude, and... Yeah, I got some great poop on.
6: <laughs> oh, 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 what a
7: wasp!
9: What a wasp! He's got
7: his—he's got his white guy prop, like his—he's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making it white. It's gentrifying it. Yeah. yeah.
6: <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released and it did okay the the internet doesn't i there's not even a wikipedia page for this film the internet forgot about this film
7: yeah you know i used to before the internet i had like video hound and i and i would i would see actors they would list the actors in the back and peter ackroyd would be listed and they'd be like i want to see Dan Aykroyd's brother's movie right i could never find this movie you know so I'm really glad. I mean, the, the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about, you know, yeah. that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant you would read
6: a, You would read a fanzine, you yeah. would, I it would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the zinc Field in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at 8 p.m.
7: Worse, I would have to go to Kim's video in New York and deal with those, right? I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the 80s. <laughs> Like that was the hip video store, but yeah, right. in in the nineties there was Leather Tongue and there was uh, uh, placed on the lower hate, and they had like snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so you know I, I'm part yep. of that milieu. But uh,
6: which uh, one was it? The one in Watchung Plaza? Uh,
7: I think it was on Bloomfield.
6: Bloomfield Avenue.
7: Okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to think. What? If it was. Was that? By what? What was I, it there? I, I, Cla- I think the it, Claridge. He, uh, it used to be. I might have been the, by the Wellmont. No, not down by the Wellmont. More by the Claridge, I guess.
6: Okay.
7: Yeah, like kind of crisscrossed, you know, on, on Fullerton and like. I, I think it was I can't Blum.
6: remember. I know that you were there, and I even visited. It
7: might have been. Maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, mm-hmm. Watchung Plaza, I would remember. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of trashed a job. I, I was like so hung up with my co- college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer, and I just lost that job. But uh, it was fun, you know. I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing,
6: um, they are seeing the only real comedian, Andy uh,
7: Kaufman, bongo guy, yeah.
6: and they're like, w- let's find out. See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself – he's, like, kind of snobby, like, I'm a real comedian, and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you
7: say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or right. the uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, God Bruce damn! Bruce
6: Nutter—that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're gonna fuck with him.
7: Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie?
6: Yeah, good question. Uh, and also, tell me.
7: But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot?
6: No, this is, this is a poor apartment building, apparently.
7: Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot The Funny Farm, was it a real building?
6: Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet, uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So, uh, you know. I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But It's
7: killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles. Who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm-hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised. No one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a because gun.
6: It was com- uh, Canada.
7: Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember ET. Uh-huh.
6: <laughs> now he goes, you can, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And he's going to get really upset. Oh, no, no.
7: I take it back. Look, they did did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue.
6: Will you shut up?
7: Okay, I want you to stand in this lady's apartment. And then when I say, when I call you, pick up the, pretend you hear them outside. Oh, look at this. He's already, he made it off that one set? He is now, since he's been
6: invited up there to perform, he's going to be... You know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's really a movie. Quick. But, uh...
7: So this is all within the year. He moved in.
6: Now he's on the phone with the TV studio, going, "Did you make a decision about my pilot yet?"
7: Now was this because of that set he did it was so well? There was there was someone in the yeah, audience, right? There
6: was that there right. There was a talent scout, and they they he's auditions now for a pilot this just isn't the way the world works as a guy who's made a pilot nobody was interested in it and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot i assure you america now i know this was a different time but I, still you don't just walk off the street and get offered a
7: pilot let's let's put it this way okay uh Maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young handsome guy immediately gets a pilot.
6: Right. Just you know, vicariously.
7: Just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness.
6: Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. my
7: dad. Well, cool. Why don't you go on stage be... Philly Beekman's son. This guy, he plays all around the room, and he's Philly Beekman's son. Give it up for Philly Beekman Jr. I mean, Tony. Tony Beekman. Sorry. Sorry, Tony.
6: Sorry. Sorry.
7: There's some, uh, I guess, uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know.
6: Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate, she changed her name to Mason. She's Sheba Mason, just so you know. Yeah. She's the daughter. There is also um,
7: Kelly, Kelly. We, uh,
6: um, um, living in a van down by the river.
7: Oh, his brother Kevin.
6: His brother is yeah, yeah. and and they look similar. You know, they're okay. So, because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they paid uh, for the plane. from
7: what are they going from Montreal to Toronto now.
6: They're going from Los Angeles to <laughs> Vegas to Oh, it's it's to Got a clown the face, theme. clown.
7: Oh yeah, and look. This looks kind of like Montreal's version of Las Vegas. No, they're in Vegas. Oh, P. is Adora's in Las Vegas, Carl. I did. So, did you think of that movie Fake Out?
6: Fake Out, Fake Out. There's yes. Don Rickles. Oh, and
7: he mooned was, him.
6: Um, where it's at. We saw Don Rickles. Yeah, it's in, in Las
7: Vegas as well. I believe
6: that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set.
7: No, and they actually paid to get like this funny name up on the sands. Yep. a marquee. Yeah, yep. that's great.
6: This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter, and he. Was oh, a-
7: Jack Carter. Yeah.
6: So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, and
7: we should let's I see if can we can. enjoy
6: be- his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny.
7: So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. It's probably Jack Carter's act, right? Because
6: this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night, they kind of stuck. Here he is. Jack Carter. Hey, 1983.
7: He yeah. had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93
6: in Los Angeles.
7: And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 93rd
6: birthday 2015. He's
7: killing it. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how is this? That uh, two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because unlike I'm Dying Up Here with Jim Carrey, right. this is contemporary comedy looking at their uh, at, at their their elders, I guess, yes. whatever the old comics are, uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act.
6: Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted, uh, there was, there was a, there was something called the half hour Saturday night programming slot. And, and that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show right after Sid Caesar. Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar is, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan.
7: You know, one thing I have to say, I I looked up Jack Carter, and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him, uh huh, like bold bold Howie. Yeah, this is this is curly haired Howie.
6: Now Sammy, his son, didn't even come.
7: Wow. Yeah. yeah.
6: Yeah. And what's gonna happen is he's gonna the thing's gonna start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick my brains, welcome, welcome. But then he's gonna start doing some racist stuff. Uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this, he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And basically, he starts shitting on him.
7: Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean.
6: And the room flips and they're against
7: Jack Carter. The Carters no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. He's, I don't
6: know what a, to be a George Clooney is.
7: You got your friends, you know, your friends, you've been in their real life, you know, like, My friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Uh, Yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's
6: not digging it. And, um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about, uh, you know, you young kids. I mean, you didn't pay your dues. I cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything. And then they'll say... Like, well, when's the last time you saw a new comedian? As if I don't know, it's a a (laughs) fake thing. Like No, it's not
7: true. Why don't we substitute young comedians with Zoom comedians and old school comedians with like comedians who did in real life? Who had a you know, you guys why
3: would
6: why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock, come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like why would they
7: because it's, it's a vibrant, no, that's, I think they have a solid argument. You okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians and that things are different from the way you, the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this. Yeah. He's giving a right drinks. Right now he's going, come
6: on, uh, my, my drink is empty here. And he's insulting him and he's doing ethnic racist slurs. And he goes, what was that? Too smart for the room? Which I thought was a funny line
7: wow it's getting awkward now man. it's
6: turned sour now we ah, got
7: whiskey drunk. sour
6: yeah now it's gonna flip and he's gonna start getting mad at him you young punks, you don't know what? anything you don't respect anything
7: uh, jack jack carter's a bit of a hothead wasn't he
6: in real life i'm not sure um i kind of I, I read gonna... about him was positive
7: yeah I mean, he's, a, he's an interesting comedian. I have to, you know, what I'm going to go take watch him on YouTube. I'm going to see if I can find like a, a 20 minute set or something.
6: Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which, which was <laughs> I don't know why he would do that. But well, that I was know weird blemish on his on his. He's, uh,
7: well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably t- uh, for dozens of times. He's yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes, more than dozens.
6: I don't know about Staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh. We've got a hole.
7: Get know. Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our act?
6: Well, I would he? but okay.
7: No, this, this is an interesting yeah, moment. I It's like road comics and, like, locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, like, do you go out and see, like, a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him.
6: Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh... I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 seat. I looked at the ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, right. this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, there's another name you would know, and he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and the show was called Trying New Stuff. I, uh, that's about 250 seats. I was going to go to that. I didn't.
7: You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking, and actually when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm-hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius, and mm-hmm. I watch him every time, and because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now, this NBC. is. Yeah.
6: No, it's deciding. Brandon
7: Tartikoff. Yeah, three-piece suit. The guy behind the. Oh, oh, well, all right. Are they gonna go with the young guy, the white guy well, who they're does like, are we material? going with
6: the actor or are we going with the comedian? And so they, you know. They have an argument about it. And he's like, well, I like the comedian. I think he's going to be the next big thing.
7: But he's in the room. Like,
6: yeah. Is that realistic?
7: Yeah, it is. It's, that's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened, I would have to say. The, 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 the uh, writer-director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room.
4: He's while like, oh, he's great. They're
7: going to the diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smile is all around. Okay, smiles brandon tartikoff brandon tartikoff came up with like funky brewster came up with uh different strokes he wore a three-piece tan suit with a vest and he was about that guy's size so obviously
6: that's who they're going for
7: yeah i don't know i get back to watching comics uh i i mean i like comedy and that's why I, i definitely watch it but uh you know when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were doing. I always learn from that.
6: Yeah. I, I always stay in the room when there's an open mic people like uh, my good friend, Anthony Quinn. And um, I won't start naming names. I was, but a lot of them, they go up, they do their set. And then they like disappear to like smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians. And I never do. I always stay in the room. You don't, I want to see what everyone's doing.
7: Yeah, but same with the comedians will get you other sets. And also just kind of, you know, it's networking.
6: There's many, many, many facets.
7: To I'm not these. saying talk not, don't I talk over someone's set. I, out with
6: the comedians, but I'm just trying to say that Watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian, and I also just want to laugh. I want to see what they're doing, what's going on. So now he's telling the girlfriend, uh, I got the pilot, you know, and it's like his big – he's having his up moment so we can see him crash later.
7: Ah, hey, guys, I'm singing I Got a Pilot. Hey, no need to diet. I already got my pilot. That's what
6: he's screaming to the other guys. I gotta file it.
7: I gotta file it. Oh, he's that comic. Yeah. Yeah. But,
6: like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter went and killed himself. This will show you.
7: Wait a minute. So, the, the comedy star, wasn't there a suicide? gotta get my research down there was someone jumped off a roof or something a comedian
6: i don't know that story um you might be right about that no bruce nutter has killed himself
7: bruce nutter mike mcdonald not not michael mcdonald from mad tv or michael mcdonald the singer
6: right it's not mike mcdonald um okay so let's see this was his first film the funny farm mike mcdonald but he was in um there was a Jefferson Starship commercial, and he played a comedian that he was in
2: Screwballs 2.
7: which we did on Book the show. 2. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got I oh, got a okay. comic. I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me.
6: Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh, he, I mean, he was out there. you yeah. wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff: The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career. And um, he did uh, – he died he, – it was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery, and his liver failed. It was hepatitis.
7: Wow, uh, liver transplant.
6: Yeah. So – but still, wow. he's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career, and he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money to do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral, and that's what they're doing right now.
7: Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I, I, do, you, do you want to know, mic at your funeral?
6: I don't think I do. I think this is a movie. Now, you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home
0: won't
7: know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our sunshine boy was going to perform and, and Brendan Tattercoff was going to go over to the, the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. Right? I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then this death fucking kibosh his career opportunity.
6: Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true.
7: That's what my takeaway was, that this asshole, like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying and having fake parents. I want to thank the rented parents that are, they are genius. Fake.
6: You're right, you're right. Yeah, no, you but they announced it. Funny? You don't think this was inventive and creative?
7: Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal.
6: Okay. <laughs> Well, he let coming let up Eno pretty closely. Everything, okay? Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny.
7: You can't wait two seconds to let it happen.
6: <sighs> I, Right now we're having a sad Yeah, it's all music. The,
7: all the comments like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral?
6: Yeah, that's right. Do I don't you care when this. you go up another's Nutter's funeral. Uh, no. Okay, you're first.
7: Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows. Now up.
6: Dale's freaking out. Ah! Uh...
3: Don't you assholes ever follow me home again! <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> right. And look, Miles is like, you asshole. Like, you fucking Brandon the Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm
6: gonna kill him. He runs by and he goes, Wasn't that Nutter?
7: Oh, yeah, that's the parents.
6: The parents are like, does does this mean we're not getting paid?
7: Oh, boy. And then comedians, that's the creative graveyard. Chase. most
6: all of this film was well-written in in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done. It doesn't flow at all. All of a sudden, like, there's no reason for them to be all here in this (gasps) same room.
7: Look at that. Howie Mandel is passing a joint
6: yeah
7: he he's he's letting people smoke it and then he's gonna smoke it again
6: you mean because of covid
7: because of he, he's famously choice? he doesn't shake people's hands you know that Oh, well,
6: that could have developed yeah he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing yeah right, right of today but uh, in this
7: but in this scene he's smoking a communal joint
6: right now it might be because it's a movie and it might be because his his paranoia hasn't developed yet.
7: I think as comics, they, they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature.
6: Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Harry Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the, the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's there's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big... As a, he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called St. Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show. It was on six years, and he was a doctor on
7: it. Well, you know, it fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove, and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah, he put it on his head. Put it on and his
6: head. Fits
8: so part like-
7: of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. like it was. Like well, yes, yeah,
6: nice- he was the prop comic first it's true saint elsewhere didn't make him, but because of being a prop comic he got on saint elsewhere and so he had six years of exposure to the public now he didn't take that and go on to do a um huge movie career instead he turned it into like a voiceover career
7: well we should mention that uh, as a bad movie uh podcast i mean a, a good podcast about bad movies he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it, where he's like a human dog. And yep. then he's the Monster Under the Bed or in the Closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it, too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like, this is a cult film, too, I would imagine. But, yeah, he, he well, was a He was Magwai. the
6: voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo and in Gremlins, too. Um, and he was in Tribulation which was a, um, one of those Cloud 10 pictures. Remember we saw Cameron, what's his name?
7: Oh, like a born-again Christian type? Uh, yep. I mean, I'm not born-again a Christian, a religious, a spiritual-based. Cloud base. 10
6: pictures is faith-based base, pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He was on the fifth season. But he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of, uh, you know, the aristocrats and... Bobby's world was his Um, own. Yeah. He was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Bear and Jack.
7: Well, I. You ever see.
6: Lots of voiceover work.
7: He doesn't. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in a set of food. Let's see what happens. (laughs) This okay, is now, how we Gail do
6: is paranoid about Earthquake. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that she sold some of their um, stand-up routines, and, and they aired in Ohio, so they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Peter Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake! It's a quake!
7: So was he fucking comic? It's was that quake! the whole that's the thing, like, a comic was like, I'll, I'll seduce her, and then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend it's an earthquake. Right.
6: So then she comes out, it's a quake! And then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice mad.
7: did it. She was fucking Maurice? I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool.
6: Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin. And he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside.
7: What a weird scene. What a weird club.
6: Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin and Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there and he basically... She's like, get out, get out, leave me alone, <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind and her heart about how, like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so we're getting some feelings.